Well, good morning, Oakwood family. Hey, glad that you're uh, joining us this morning. Uh, thank you for everybody that's tuning in online in all the different locations, uh, households across Enid and, and even around the world. We had a, a viewer from Iowa last week, a viewer from Texas. So uh, it's fun to be able to, to stay connected as a church and as a church body and a family. Um, and, and if you are not a part of the Oakwood uh, tribe, man, we are so glad that you're here. And just know that you're always welcome to, to join us here at Oakwood. You know, this is an exciting uh, season, exciting uh, season for me. Uh, being that it's Easter, um, it, it's just a, it's a great time of year. It's a special season, um, and and I, this is one of those seasons where I look forward to certain things. Like I look forward to uh, some of the Jesus movies uh, coming coming on TV, uh, some of the series and stuff. But one of my favorites is the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know the the movie with Charlton Heston. You know where he's you know he does the voice. You know he's got the chiseled jaw and he's got you know everything and he's like you know. Ramses, let my people go. And uh, man, I love that movie. I love uh, the biblical accuracy of it. I mean, yeah, there's some theatrical liberties in it, but it's just a fun thing. But uh, one of the one of the cool things that really comes out of that movie, if you watch it in its entirety, like all 19 hours or however long it is, uh, is you really get a, this this vision of a high view of God that um, the Israelites had, and 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 how that was something they had to grow in, though it wasn't something that just came to them, uh, they had they had to grow in that as a people. Um, and, and what we're going to do this morning is do something a little bit different. You're probably thinking, man, Eric's going to read, you know, Philippians chapter 4, or, um, you know, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, but as we continue into this idea of choosing faith um, over over fear, choosing faith in the face of fear, uh, we're going to we're going to actually be looking at a passage uh, from the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Exodus um, as always, in the Oakwood app, we'll have all the sermon notes and the scriptures there for you. Uh, just uh, You can download our app if you haven't yet. Just uh, search Oakwood Enid in the Google Play Store or in the um, Apple App Store. Uh, but uh, you can follow along that way. If you're old school like me, get your Bible uh, and, and turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now, uh, when you get there, you're probably looking at the subheading. You're like, the burning bush. You know, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I think God has something super special for us. Uh, today from from this passage of scripture and I'm, I'm i'm really excited to share it with you so uh, let's just ask his blessing on this time this morning please please just bow for a word of prayer with me lord god i just thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in this way and god i pray as we read your word you would give us as understanding of it um, god that you would just increase that i would decrease and god this would just be a a special time to hear from you uh this morning and we pray in jesus name Amen. <clears throat> so, yeah, super excited to share this with you. So let's begin uh, by reading that um, in, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, beginning with verse 1. It says this. Now Moses, well, let me give you a little bit of background. Okay, everybody knows probably who Moses is, but where we're at here in Exodus chapter 3 is that uh, Moses, you know, he's been picked up from the Nile. He's, he's grown up for uh, many, many years in the court of Pharaoh. So he's an Egyptian citizen, but he knows he's Hebrew um, in his lineage. And uh, he is, he is uh, now he has slain uh, one of the Egyptians that were beating some of the Hebrews. He actually killed a man. Uh, some people saw it. He got scared and he ran in. So he fled to a place called Midian. He actually took a wife there. He's had a child now. Um, and, he's, and he's working in this area. He has no idea really about the region that he's in. He's, he's unfamiliar with it. So that's where we pick up the story here um, in, in Exodus chapter 3. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. 
And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now understand, Moses has no idea what Horeb is or that it's the mountain of God. Verse 2, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, except, you know, it's way more godly than I just did. It was like, Moses. So, yeah. And he said, here I am, which is hilarious that that's how uh, Moses answered here. I am. But you'll get that in a few minutes. Okay. Verse five. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to even look at God. Verse seven. It says, and then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who, people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prayerzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other ites that live in that land. Well, that's, that's my addition there. Sorry. Verse 9, it says, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you. That I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this very mountain. Then Moses said to God, Well, if I come to the people of Israel and, they, and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you. I know you're reading that passage and you're thinking, okay, yeah, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. Yeah, I remember that that scene from the movie. And, and yeah, this is a great, great story of Scripture. But, you know, what, is, what does God have in this for us today? I think one of the things that we need to do in a season like this is to really remember who God is. And to remember that we need to have a really a, a high view of God. First thing I want to draw out of this uh, Scripture this morning is a reminder of the First Commandment. Uh, remember, Jesus, the Son of God, even says this uh, as a summary. Uh, the, the, the greatest commandment, the first commandment, is to love the Lord your, Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then there was a second commandment that was like it, but it was secondary to the first commandment. It said to love your neighbor as yourself. But the first thing we're called to do is to love God. And so the first commandment is to love God, and we should know who God is. It'd be really weird to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I love this person, but I have no idea who they are. And so to get to know God more intimately is something that we should pursue as man. To get to know him through his scriptures, to get to know him in prayer, to get to, to see and acknowledge his work, not only in the past, but in the present, and also things that will happen in the future. So we need to get to know God more intimately. He desires that. And really, if we're being 100% honest, 
We desire that as well, and we should. The first commandment is to love God, and, and, and we do that because we know that he loves us. And if that is the first and greatest commandment, we need to know who we're loving. The second thing I want us to get out of this passage of Scripture is God tells Moses his name. Okay, now anytime you read the word Lord in the Bible, um, usually you'll see it in our English Bibles with all capital letters, L-O-R-D. They're in all caps. And what that's actually referencing is a name for God that's used all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, like the Old Testament scriptures that the Hebrew scribes wrote down. And, and that is the name Yahweh. God says his name is Yahweh to Moses, which means I am. When he's saying I am, he is saying Yahweh. Now, what's cool about this is when it actually appears in the, in the texts and, and, and in all of the, the writings of the Old Testament, the scribes, the, God's name was so holy and, and they had such a high view of God, they would actually not write Yahweh out. They would actually leave the vowels out of it. And so they, when they would write the name of God, they would write Y-H-W-H. And, and no vows there. And the reason they did that was because they didn't even want to write the name of God. They just saw him as so high and so holy and so set apart. Um, and, and so they really respected the name of God and, and calling him Yahweh. They did that to that point. And, you know, sometimes I think that we so diminish God. Like we have such a, a low view of God and we don't treat him as who he really is. He's the creator of all life. He's the savior of our lives. He's the master of the universe. Um, yeah, God has the power uh, over everything in our world. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that. I think uh, sometimes we get distracted uh, by the things of the world. We, 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 just, um, we, we think that other things are more powerful than God, and we don't ever actually get to, to really understand who he is. Because I guarantee you this, the more you, you understand who God is, the more respect and awe and reverence that you will have for him. And, and when God says his name to Moses, when he says, who am I? And he answers him, I am. And he's saying Yahweh, which means literally I am. We read that in our, in our scriptures. And in, uh, again, it, it's, it's God's way of saying, I mean, I mean, think about this. Think about it this way. Who really says that? You know, I mean, who can really be like, I am? I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a really bad to the bone type of thing to say. But when you're God and you created Moses and you created the Israelites and you created the Egyptians and you created the world and you're over all things, you're sovereign, you're the master and king of the universe, you can answer a question that way. You can actually say, "Oh, yeah, uh, who am I? I am. That's who I am." Um, and it's a, it's just an amazing thing. Because, you know, you think about it, like, who says that? Only God could really say that. Now, man might say that in all of his pride and arrogance, but truly it's just something that God says. And remember, they're on the holy mountain. He's asked him to take his shoes off because it's a holy ground. There's this burning bush. You remember in verse 4 that uh, Moses said, said to him, answered him, here I am, which is kind of ironic because God, even beginning of verse 6, begins to tell him, I am the God of your father. Moses, and I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the lineage of the Israelites there that is so well known and so highly esteemed. He's laying this foundation. Yeah, I am the God over all of these that have come before you, Moses, and I am the God over you. The third thing that I think is uh, something we can draw out of this passage this morning is, is this. If God is who he says he is, 
then he's got everything under his control. If God is who he says he is, if he says I am the I am, then he's got everything under his control. And what's amazing to me is kind of the guts of Moses. Because you read the first 12 uh, verses of our passage today in Exodus chapter 3, and you're, and you're kind of like, you know, yeah, I mean, God is who he is. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God has the power now. He's, he's saying, this is going to happen. I'm going to deliver my people, the Israelites, out of the hands of the Egyptians. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm giving you a land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and even though there's all these ites in the land, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the other ites that might be there, I'm giving you this land. I mean, God just is saying, like, real matter of fact, yeah, you're going to have this because he's God. If he deems it so, it will be. And so he, he's showing his power. He's showing who he, he is to Moses anyway. And yet you get to verse 13 in our, our passage. And let me just read this part again to you. It says, and then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel, if I come, which I'm like, God tells you you're going, you're going. You know, Moses, I mean, just, just go. But he's, okay, okay, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, hey, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, uh, prove it. What, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And in verse 14, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am Yahweh. I am has sent me to you. It's a pretty powerful moment. I am who I am, God says. You tell the people I am has sent me. You think about that and you get to this moment where you're just like, wow, I am. And that's who God is. He is the answer. And he's the answer for the Israelites uh, getting out of the, the slavery of the Egyptians. He's the answer for them getting into the promised land. He's the answer for getting the Canaanites, Hittites, and all the otherites out of their land. He is the one that's going to provide for them. He's always provided for them in the past. He, even though they've been enslaved, he's still with them through that turmoil and through that time period. But God is showing his eternal and his infinite personhood here. Because what he's saying is, I always am, I always have been, I always will be. Yeah, God is telling Moses his name. And he might be telling Moses even a little more than that. Because you see, what God was telling Moses was this. I am the center of everything. I am running the show. And I am the same every day forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord over all. I am the creator and the sustainer of all life. I am the savior of your soul. I am more than enough for what you need. I am inexhaustible. I am immeasurable. I am God. And in that moment, when God reveals who he is in his infinite might, it seems like in a heartbeat here, Moses knows God's name, but he knows something more. It, it seems like Moses now knows his name. You may say, well, I, I didn't read that in there. Where, where does God tell Moses his name? But think about this. Moses finally knew his own name. Because if God is I am and he's the answer to all these things, then Moses' name must be I am not. I am not the center of everything. I am not in control I'm not the solution to all of my problems. I am not all-powerful. I'm not calling the shots. 
I'm not the owner of everything. I am not the savior of myself. I am not God. And yet, so many times we look to ourselves, don't we? Or we look to uh, just humans in general. Like somehow uh, someone here has the answer. When God is in control over all things, he's all-powerful. And he says, I am. I am who I am. I am the Lord and I am powerful. You know, it's kind of weird to define ourselves by what we are not. But I feel like God was trying to do that here. I was reminded of another passage uh, of Scripture in John's Gospel. And in John, uh, John chapter 3, um, it says that, that um, it's John the Baptist and, and he's talking about Jesus. And um, he said that, you know, he must increase and I must decrease. And again, it's like we need to have that on our minds during this time, that, that God needs to be on the increase, that our faith in him needs to be on the increase, that we need to be leaning into him even more, that all of our time spent with him needs to be on the increase. Our time in the word needs to be on the increase. Our time in prayer, our, our faith needs to be a time of growing in him through all of these things because he is the I am. And you may say, well, the I am cared about the Israelites. Uh, obviously, he's going to give them a land. He's going to deliver them from slavery. But what about us today? I want to turn you to John 3.16. And Jesus said these words as the Son of God. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to us, And one of his most powerful and miraculous things that he ever did as the God of the universe. And he loves us so much that he invites us. He invites us to be a part of his family. And if you're wondering about God today, where is God? Just remember, God holds the future in his hands. But he sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for our sins. To offer us hope of eternal life. And to offer us hope of a changed life here and now. That we don't have to go around and act like people who don't have hope. We can have hope because of just who he is. You see, Jesus is a part of God as God's son. He's a part of I am. And what's amazing about that is something that, that Jesus says in John chapter 8. So if you're, if you're in your Bible and you want to turn there, John's gospel, uh, chapter 8. Um, there's an amazing, amazing line here that, that I, I just want to close with this this morning. In uh, John chapter 8, in verse 58, so right before chapter 9, right at the end of that chapter, you have to understand, uh, Jesus has been jabbing back and forth with some Jews here, and, and they're, they're like, you know, we worship Abraham, and, and Jesus is like, I know Abraham. In fact, Abraham's really glad that God sent me here. I mean, you know, he, it, there's been some back and forth here. And then Jesus gets to this verse, uh, verse 58, and he answers them this way. It says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Even Jesus, the Son of God. Referring all the way back to Exodus 3 with some, some language and some linguistics, linguistics here. He says, I am. He's got all the power that he needs to save us. He's got all the solutions to all the problems that we have. And God is bigger than all of that. And it really doesn't matter, like, how long this lasts. We can't outlast an eternal God. This is the God that loves us. This is the God that gives us irresistible grace that is so powerful for, for us and so freeing. Because God is truly powerful. He has the ability to change human hearts. 
And I just want to encourage you today um, to just to just put your faith in Him. To put your faith in someone who matters. Put your faith in someone who's powerful. Put your faith in something that actually has all the answers to all of our problems. And that is the Lord God Almighty. I am. I pray that this message today increases your view of God and gives you a high view of God and that you can totally put your faith in him, totally lean in and depend on him during this time period in Yahweh, in I am, in the Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time where you can open your word and I thank you that we can be encouraged through a passage like Exodus uh, chapter three, Lord. It's it's just uh, so powerful to look at a a guy named Moses and, um, and and to see how he's growing in his faith and how you are still interceding and, and intervening in his life. And God, I just pray that you would just uh, help us to lean and depend on you, to help us to put our faith in you and, the, and nothing else, nothing else in this world, Lord, but to just put, put all of our faith in you because you are the I am. You are the powerful one. You're the one that holds the world. You're the one that has all the answers. And God, so we are just called to just truly put all of our faith in you. Um, God, I pray if there's anyone that's outside of you this morning, they haven't put their faith in you. God, I pray that they would make that choice to do that today. Um, God, I, I pray if there's anyone that struggled, maybe they, they yes, they, they believed in you, they put their faith in you for so long, but now uh, they've gone through the season of turmoil or the hardship and, and they began to question, or, or maybe they've just got caught in, in, in what the Apostle Paul says, the web of, of in the entanglement of sinfulness in their life. God, I pray that you would just redeem that, God, that they can just truly repent and turn to you and, God, get back that closeness with you. Again, Lord, thank you so much uh, for your word, for these scriptures that you can teach us and talk to us and encourage us today. And I pray, Lord, that as we read this and talked about this and studied this together, that uh, it did not fall on deaf ears, but, Lord, that, that we can receive this word and apply it to our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.